uh, as long as I don't move my uh, cursor on the computer, Ben. Once you move the cursor, that's what I'm clicking on, okay? <laughs> so if you'll bring it back up. So rule number one, use the Bible itself as the primary source of information about the Bible. So if you're studying the Bible, rule number one, and these are uh, uh, kind of rules that I use, is, okay, if I'm studying the Bible, I use the Bible for it to tell me what it says about itself, okay? Not against other resources and stuff, but um, uh, I try to, to just use the Scripture, even though I have, I have a lot of uh, other material. But the, the thought is here, as uh, we'll get to another one, I've got a verse up here, 1 Corinthians uh, 2.13, which things also we speak not in the words which uh, man's wisdom teacheth, but with the Holy Ghost teaching, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And so that's what you want to do when you study Scripture. Rule number two, personal, uh, exp uh, personally explore the Scripture apart from conclusions that Bible scholars and other people have drawn from their study of the Word. And uh, so as uh, you said here, and uh, listen to me teach and, and, and others, you really need to be engaged in the Word of God and not just say, oh, yeah, I agree with that, and go on. You really need to understand what it says, okay? And not that we're to be uh, contentious with one another, but that you need to know for yourself. So I got a Bible verse for that. Study to show thyself to prove unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rule number three, context rules. It may be necessary to study the whole book to understand the context. And the verse with that is uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the uh, spirit and of power. So uh, uh, the, the thought, uh, context, rules, because you can take something out of the context and you can make it say just about anything you want, okay? Um, so that's where the, the context of it, me and Laura was talking about this, about uh, um, what was it, alike and same, okay? <laughs> definitions and stuff, and, and uh, so we was uh, 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 discussing some of that, and it's interesting. You start getting to where you get into a battle of the brain, okay, and I lost, but uh, yeah, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still in the battle, okay. Actually, I want, no, I didn't, yeah, but, and uh, so context rules, and that's what, that's what we're going to look at tonight, and it's very important, context rules, okay. And I've been told, as I talk to people and stuff, well, you can't be really dogmatic about, uh, about that. And so what they're saying is, you can't be for sure that that's what the Bible says. I'm to I totally disagree with that. I mean, I am very dogmatic that the Bible says something, and I think God intends for us to know what it says and to be able to back it up and live it in our life. So now they are, there are some things that are tough. It's just like in our Sunday school class, we talked about uh, which Mary, okay, washed Jesus' feet. Okay, but we, but we used scripture and we came down that it was Mary, the, the, the sister of Lazarus, who washed Jesus' feet before, okay, before his crucifixion. But Mary Magdalene, or uh, another woman up in, uh, 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 the, around the Sea of Galilee, was a different time and all that. We went over that in Sunday school. So if you missed that, uh, you need to come to Sunday school. All right, rule number four, all right. Follow a literal approach to the Bible, okay? Now, that one, you say, whoa, because there's some stuff in there. Just like when we studied in Revelation, it talked about 
when the, the pit opened up and these locusts came forth and all that. And, and now, and the reason you have to follow a little translation is as we went uh, and studied in Revelation in uh, our Sunday school class, is if you don't, then Laura can say, well, it's, uh, it's the bombs from Russia and all this, and there's no end of what it can be. If you stay with a literal interpretation of what the Bible is saying, then the Bible tells you what it is, okay? And uh, so, now rule number five is for Chris Henshin, all right? And because uh, the ladies went out with Pam for her birthday, and the ladies were gossiping, I mean, the ladies were talking, and <laughs> they were just having a good time and all this. And while I was writing, writing this, uh, Laura was telling me about the conversation, and they had a real good time and all that. And I, my brain went whoop, right to this uh, rule number five. Are you ready, Chris? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where's Bill at? Bill needs this one, too. Okay, rule number five. And this is just for fun, okay? This is just for fun. Break the ice a little bit. Rule number five, listen and obey your wife when remodeling your wife's kitchen. Okay, and I have a, I have a scripture to go with that. That's in James 1.23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, and you can stop there, okay? Whenever you hear your wife's word, okay, and you don't obey, you're like a man beholding his face in a glass and straightway forget of what manner man he was, I tell you. And I found this out, I found this out whenever I was doing Laura's kitchen, because as I was doing Laura's kitchen, we went and we looked at cabinets. I was ready to spend ten, fifteen thousand dollars on kitchen cabinets and stuff and, and all that. I didn't have the money. I'm thankful she didn't go with it, okay? But uh, so we looked and we looked. I got tired of looking, all right? So finally, I, uh, I misunderstood what she said, so I thought, well, I'll build them, all right? So this is what her kitchen looks like. Are you ready? All right. So her kitchen looks like this, okay? Uh, so the cabinets are up, they're functional. Now, she had an idea, and this is a sidebar from where we're going. Uh, whenever we was doing this, she wanted to move the stove. You know how hard it is to move a stove, especially when it's longer and you've got to run new cable. You know how much cable is? Perfect for the uh, uh, number eight uh, wire that the stove needs to run off of and all that. I mean, it's very expensive. She wanted receptacles here and all that. So I didn't understand why she wanted this, but I learned that to obey is better than sacrifice. All right? So, uh, all right? So I obeyed, I moved the stove, the stove was right over here, it was working fine, but she wanted it over here and she wanted a counter on both sides. I thought, why do you need a counter on both sides? You know what, when you start cooking, a counter on both sides of the stove is very important. So she knew some things that I didn't, so I just simply obeyed, that's rule number five, for fun, for you Chris, for Bill, wherever you're at, okay? <laughs> so, so now you're ready to get into the meat of the word. All right, so let's go. All right. As I listen and study the Bible, there seems to be a lot of misunderstanding of what the Scriptures are saying. For example, when did God create time on day one or day four? And you can get all kinds of things. Day four, uh, you get a lot of what is called the day-age theory and all that. So I've really, I've thought about this for quite a while. And I thought, okay, how can I uh, uh, teach this in a manner that conveys not what I believe, but what the Bible says, okay? So it don't matter, it really don't matter what I believe, it matters what the Bible says, okay? So let's go. So uh, did angels marry human women and have babies by them as some, some would have us to believe? That's our second topic we're going to address. 
because we was down in West Virginia at a church and a pastor that I love. Uh, he's helped me out. It's not my pastor here. I love, I love him also. And, uh, but this, this is this acquaintance, and I've talked to him a little bit, and he helped, helped me out. So I went down for this study, and I thought, what is this church doing? Wasting all this time on this topic because a guy on YouTube can, uh, can speak and convince people. So we're going we're gonna to take a look at that, and uh, we'll see if, uh, if you agree. But the problem is, Pastor took so long in opening up the service that now we've got to stay late to get through this, okay? Uh, people in my Sunday school class know that I'm not kidding, right, Ann? <laughs> okay? <laughs> but I can stop whenever you uh, want me to stop. So using the Bible and the Bible only, can we know the answers to these and other questions? I would say yes. And you'll answer that at the end, okay? Uh, I, you might say, no, you didn't figure it out, okay? And that's fine. I was just like, me and Laura, we probably disagree on 99% of the stuff in the Bible, okay? And I'm praying for her, and she'll eventually come around, okay? <laughs> you know I'm, I'm teasing, right? Okay? okay. I, am, I am teasing, okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. To answer the, uh, the following question, let us begin at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, Genesis 1.1. I've got most of the scripture, all the scripture up on the screen that we're going to go over. So we're going to read Genesis 1, uh, 1 through Genesis 7. And you really need to pay attention to what you're reading, okay? Because I started reading it slower, and I noticed some things that I had missed, okay? So let's go. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And I just want to make a comment there. So here you have the Creator God. He creates the heaven and the earth. His Spirit is moving up on the face of the deep for 12 hours. And I'm going to try to prove that by Scripture. That as He's creating, there's nothing but darkness. God don't need light. He is light. And his spirit is moving up on the face of the deep for a period of 12 hours. And then he says, let there be light. Okay? And then, once there's light, there's another uh, period of 12 hours, okay, that God, the creator, is creating, okay, the heavens and the earth as, uh, as we go through here. So, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the, divided the light from the darkness, and God called the day... Now look, and this is interesting. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Now look, so the, day, the, uh, the, uh, the first day started with uh, evening because there was nothing but darkness. It was evening. And the evening was called night, Okay, and when God created light after 12 hours of darkness, okay, then he created light for 12 hours, and the light he called day, and the darkness he called night. Now look, and the morning and the evening was the first day. So these two together is now said to be a day. All right, so uh, is a day a measurement of time? If so, was time created on day one? And there's, there's, some, there's some fine Christian people uh, that would disagree with me, and that's fine, okay? There's people in this church that would probably <laughs> disagree with me. Uh, she's my, uh, uh, what do you call it, your prompt when you're preaching or teaching. So, and that, okay. 
Oh, I better move on. Okay, so now look, let's go to John 11, 9, because we're studying in the book of John in our Sunday school class. Now look at John 11, 9, and look what Jesus says. Pay attention to what Jesus says. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? And you would think, oh, I thought there was 24 hours in the day. Well, what is he talking about? Okay. If, if any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. Notice how he says that, the light of this world. All right. In this verse, we see Jesus explaining that the day is made up of 12 hours, and with this understanding, then a day is a span of what? Time. Okay? So Jesus is saying that there's 12 hours in a day, and this day is a span of 12 hours. Well, where's the other 12? Well, we have to go to a different verse to find the other 12, okay? One thing about the Scripture, God don't make it easy. All right? God on purpose don't make it easy to study the Scripture. And I'm finding that out. It's just like to some of the apostles. Um, when I'm thinking, why did you just tell me it was Mary, okay, instead of leading me on because uh, Matthew says a certain woman, okay, Mark says a certain woman, John is the only one that said this, and it was that woman, okay, referring to uh, the, the sister of Lazarus. I'm thinking, okay, guys, you know, come on, quit toying with me. But there's a reason for it. It makes you study, okay? It makes you study. All right, so now let's go on, okay? Uh, rule number one, use the Bible itself as the primary source of information about the Bible, okay? Let's go to Exodus 31, 17. And uh, the book of Exodus uh, and Genesis, those, those books are phenomenal. I mean, they are so much in it. So now here is Moses, and, it, and he's, uh, he's speaking, okay? And it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. God is speaking here. Now look, for in six days... The Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. We understand by Scripture that the six of these cycles, now look, six of these cycles of darkness and light was the heaven and the earth created. All right? Because the light is day, the darkness is night. Okay? Those two together is a day. And we know that the day has 12 hours. We haven't showed you that the night has, uh, has four watches, which we'll see here in just a minute. So these two cycles of night, 12 hours, then light for 12 hours, make a complete day, which is referred to here in Scripture. In six of these complete cycles, God created the heaven and the earth, okay, and everything that was created. So we understand by Scripture in six days, uh, uh, Six of these cycles, the darkness and light, was, uh, the heaven and the earth created. Understand that these cycles started on day one of creation, even though the sun was not created until day four. So you had darkness and you had light, and there was no lights in the firmament because God hadn't created them yet. All right? So a day would be a span of time defined by associated term of a day. So let's continue. We also understand that these cycles, of dark, uh, uh, this, these cycles of darkness and light are evenly matched. Let's go to John 11 again and read it. And Jesus answered, uh, answered Are there not 12 hours in the day? If a man walk in the uh, day, 
He stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. Then in Matthew 14, 25, we find, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. So now we have uh, some verses that refer to a fourth watch of the night. So, uh, so what is the scripture telling us here? Rule number three, context rules. It may be necessary to study the whole book to understand the context. And sometimes you have to read more than just the chapter to understand the context of what is actually being taught. All right? That Jesus... Uh, now look, what is the context in John 11, for example? What is, what is that context? Now you have Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Okay, and then you have the preparation of, uh, of uh, Mary uh, in uh, chapter 12, uh, and, but kind of preparing in 11 to wash Jesus' feet. So what is that context in John 11? The context is this, that Jesus is the resurrection and life. Within this context, a truth is uh, mentioned that a day consists of 12 hours. So even though the context is about Jesus is the resurrection and life, okay, Within that context, you have some biblical truths that are in that context, all right? Which is that a day has 12 hours in it, all right? Rule number three, context rules. It may be necessary to study the whole book to understand the context. What is the context surrounding Matthew 14, 25? So let's look at the, uh, the, the context surrounding this scripture here, which talks about the fourth watch. That Jesus just fed 5,000 men beside women and children, and sent his disciples to go before him. When it was evening in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, which is speaking of the time when he went unto them. Okay? So the context is, and uh, is it a bad battery, Ben, or what? He don't know. You want? Oh, what's he doing? Okay, we'll, we'll move on. <clears throat> okay? So uh, Jesus in the fourth watch. So now, if you have a fourth watch, do you have a third and a second and a first? Okay? Sometimes the scripture, God expects you to use your brain. Okay? If you have a fourth, prior to a fourth, they would be a first, second, and third, just like six. There's day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, and then six. Okay? Now let's continue. According to the scripture we've just read in John 11:9, there's 12 hours... In the cycle of day, according to the scripture in Mark 14, 25, there is four watches in the cycle of night. In the, in the process of teaching, I'm going to use a, a scripture to draw a picture to explain what we, are, what we just read. The following picture will be the Hebrew clock and the Roman clock. Today, we are mostly familiar with the Roman clock, but during the time in Genesis, it was, it's like the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, Okay. So the Old Testament would be more familiar with the Hebrew clock. So now, if you look at the Hebrew clock, the, uh, the evening starts, the evening starts, if I can point it, whoops, wrong, wrong, wrong way. The evening starts right here between what the number 12 is and the 3, but that's the evening, and the Bible refers to that as the first watch of the night. The second watch of the night would be from 3 to 6. That's the second watch. The third watch from 6 to 9, the fourth watch from 9 to 12. So when Jesus was going to meet his uh, disciples out on the, uh, the Sea of Galilee in the fourth uh, watch of the night, he went out there between, uh, between uh, what we would say from 3 to 6 in the morning, 
but it would actually be the fourth watch, not 9 to 12. It would be the fourth watch. Then the day started when it's at 6 o'clock our time. Would, uh, the day actually started at, uh, would be 6 in the morning, okay? And the, 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 the third hour of the day would be 9. The sixth hour would be noon, okay? The ninth hour would be 3 in the afternoon, okay? And then the twelfth hour would be 6 in the evening, all right? So now what we have is we have what has taken place in the beginning, okay? There was darkness for a, a, a span of twelve uh, uh, four watches, 12 hours, and then there was 12 hours, all right? Because, you know, uh, the first day is a day. It's, it's, it says, in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth, and the first, and, and the morning, and the evening and the morning was the first day. So God tells us it was a day, all right? Now, now looking at the fourth day of creation, what took place? Because here's where some of the problems starts, all right? For some people. Genesis 1:14. and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven. Now, pay attention to the context of this scripture, Okay? In the, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let there be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So what uh, some would understand, okay, now the day actually started, time started on day four because of the use of days. <laughs> All right? And so you got to say, okay, um, you know, it, it could be a little confusing. All right? But, but let's, let's see what the scripture says, okay? And let there be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So what is the context of those verses we just read? The context is God created lights in the firmament for a reason. So what is the reason? All right. <clears throat> There's a teaching that time started on day four. This is drawn from Genesis 1.14 and for days and for years. But the verse explains the purpose of the lights. The purpose of the lights in the firmament is that we have a method of knowing and tracking time. Not that uh, time was created on day four. We just have been given um, uh, the instruments to know the, the, uh, as the time elapses, the days, the years, and it's also for seasons, okay, and all that. So to divide the day from the light. That was the purpose that the lights were created, to divide the day from the night for signs and for seasons, okay, for days and for years. Notice that the cycle of evening and morning, now this is something I, uh, we need to pay attention to. Notice that the cycle of evening and morning started on day one, and on day four the instruments were given to understand these cycles. That's all, that's all that happened on day four. It was just a method. Now, now there's, uh, there's a teaching of what's called the day-age day theory, okay? And we went over this in Sunday school a little bit. And the day-age theory would uh, teach us that, uh, okay, day one, day two, and day three was longer than the 24-hour period, okay? Therefore, day one could have been a million or it could have been a billion, 
or it could have been a trillion. We don't know for sure. It's just whatever you want it to be, okay? But the scripture does not teach that, all right? And then also day two and day three. Uh, and then day four, voila, our, our uh, 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 time that we understand as now started. And plus the day could have been longer or shorter. That's some of the theory behind that. And, and then some people would say, well, time just started because the, the, uh, you know, the days uh, was, uh, was given on day four and the, the sun out there, so now we can start tracking time. So it must have started then. But it, it started on day one from the way I understand scripture. But that's something you got to decide for yourself, okay? So uh, uh, Matthew uh, 16, 2, uh, we're worried, <clears throat> okay? Uh, we'll go back up at note. Also, that no living thing was present to observe the cycles, uh, these cycles, until day five, other than God himself. Plant life was created on day three, but plant life don't have eyeballs to, uh, to see the cycles of, of night, uh, of darkness, and then light, of darkness and light. Day three, you had the cycles of darkness and light, and plant life was created on day three. Okay, day four, the, the method of, of uh, tracking time with the sun, moon, and the star was created on day four. Okay, so you say, why do you make such a big deal out of this? You'll see. All right. So in the verse we just read, uh, an observation is made. Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't read it. Matthew, Matthew 16, 2. He answered and said unto them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. So the observation is being made here. You go out and you look at the, oh, the sky is red. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so in the verse we just read, the observation is made by mankind to discern what the weather will be like according to the instruments that God placed in the heavens on day four of creation. When did God create time? The scripture teaches us that this was done in the beginning when day one was created. All right? And there's a lot of other scripture we could go over, okay? If you want to spend four hours here, we could, I mean, we could if you'd like to. I mean, I turn my computer on and we can go at it. All right? So, now uh, that we have the topic, I think we pretty much covered the topic, when was time created? And you say, well, well, what does it really matter? Well, do you think it matters to God? Because when David, the man after God's own heart, was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into, uh, uh, I believe it was Jerusalem, right? Or the city of David, which was in Jerusalem. And Uzzah, which was a, a, a good man, he was concerned when the Ark of the Covenant uh, tipped that the ark was going to fall off the cart. Well, one thing, it wasn't supposed to be carried on a cart. So Uzzah, in uh, an honest effort to keep it from tipping, touched the ark, and God Almighty killed Uzzah. David was upset, so David didn't take the ark into the uh, uh, city of David at that time. It was later. Well, what about Aaron? I don't know if you've ever noticed when uh, Aaron was the high priest, uh, um, you know, you had Moses, you had Aaron, and Aaron was the, the main priest and all that. And as Aaron was doing the service of the Lord, his two sons, and probably just, uh, you know, we want to serve the Lord, but they offered up a strange fire, the Bible says, not according to what God had said. And God killed the two sons of Aaron on the spot. 
And then Moses tells Aaron, because he was, he was doing the service of the, the priest, that he was not to leave that office to go mourn the death of his two sons or to bury him. Or God was going to kill Aaron. And that's something as you read scripture, you got to pay attention to what you're reading. So, so it mattered to God on some of these little points. It matters to God about a person entering into heaven. Uh, God, uh, the Father says, this is my beloved Son, hear ye him. Whenever the transfiguration of Jesus, and you have, you have uh, 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 Moses, and you have uh, uh, the other guy was... Uh, 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 huh? No, at the transfiguration, it was Moses. Come on, help me out. You know who it is. Huh? Elijah. Uh, oh, yeah. Moses and Elijah and uh, the three uh, uh, disciples, three apostles, said, hey, let's make a, an altar uh, unto each one of you. God the Father stops it, makes uh, Moses and Elijah disappear. The only one that is visible is Jesus. And he says, no, no, no. It's, it's all about Jesus Christ. All right? It's not about Moses. Okay? It's not about Elijah. It's about my son. So there are some things that are very important. Well, God tells us about how creation was created. Well, then if you, if you say, well, uh, you know, it really don't matter. Well, what about our next topic? All right. Now let's address the second question with the use of Scripture only. All right. Did angels marry a human women and have babies by them as some would have us to believe? When we was down in West Virginia, we went to a service, uh, a church that I've been too many times. I think it's a good church. Go in there, and they were they had been studying this, and they you know the the pastor who I admire says, "Man, you got to go to this class. After going to this class, you will look at the Bible differently on how you understand Scripture." Well, I thought, hmm. So uh, that was a little concerning. And he's a good man, isn't he? A good man. He's a good man. Okay. I'm not going to tell you his name, but he's a good man. All right? Or so I thought he was. And anyway, <laughs> so I go down to this class, and these, these Christians are spending all this time studying this topic. And I thought, so I took the material, and I took it home with me, and I thought, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste my time looking at the, uh, the uh, YouTube video. I'm going to read the Bible, see what the Bible says. Well, let's see what I came up with. This teaching is derived from Genesis 6-4. There was giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were men of old, men of renown. One big problem I have with this is, first of all, Jesus Christ is the only one that has ever been incarnate or has taken on human flesh, okay? Jesus Christ is the only one. And well, and, I, there's some, and we're going to go over some of the scriptures you're thinking about right now, okay? So if you say, well, angels can procreate by, by impregnating human women, you've got a problem, or I, I have a problem with that, okay? And I thought, how can that be? And I thought, okay, how would I teach this? <laughs> well, let's see how we teach it. All right. So, 
To understand the context, we will begin reading Genesis 6, 1 through 7. So let's read this bit of scripture and pay attention to the what? Context of what we're reading, okay? And it, and it came to pass when the man, when, now look, when man began to multiply, so who's multiplying here? Man are, okay? On the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of man, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now right here you say, okay, the sons of God. Okay, so who's the sons of God? Well, we're going we're gonna to find out, okay? We're going to find out who the sons of God are, okay? And you say, well, does it don't, you notice it don't say angels. It doesn't say angels there, all right? So let's see what we can, can uh, understand. Now notice, the context is men multiplying, okay? Uh, uh, verse 2, that the sons of God saw the daughters, okay? They were fair, and they took unto them wives. So did the context change between verse 1 and verse 2? I don't, I, don't, I don't see that. Look at verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with who? Man. For he is also flesh. Look, flesh. Okay, what, what we in, are in here tonight. So the context had to change in those, uh, from, uh, from fleshly man in verse 1 to angelic beings in verse 2 and then back to human flesh in verse 3. I don't see the scripture changing context like that, okay? Normally, the context is a lot of scriptures together. Now, Proverbs would probably be the only exception, and they are, they are uh, wise sayings and stuff. But let's, let's dig into this just a little bit, okay? Uh, and a day shall be 120. Now, notice this. Right here, God limits, limits the days that human flesh will live, 120, all right? Not, not three score and ten like in Psalms, but Psalms does mention three score and ten. But God says 120 days. Do you, have you ever known anybody living longer than 120 days? Now, you have to understand, huh? Years. Years, 120, yeah, 120 days, years, okay? Now, uh, uh, Moses uh, did, okay? And some men before him, they was, uh, Adam lived 900 and some years, Methuselah lived 900 and some, and Enoch lived 900 and some years. Okay, we went, over, we went over that in Sunday school also. Okay, but uh, now this is at the period where God is going to destroy mankind. All right, now some, some use this. Well, the reason God's destroying mankind is because angels intermarried with hu human flesh, and, and, the re and there's, a, there's a big uh, theory on why that, uh, they think that. And we're not going to get into that. It's, uh, it's, it's about uh, uh, genes and stuff. And uh, then God says, okay, i got to stop this. So then God destroys it. God tells you why he destroyed the world. Because the flesh of mankind was wicked continually. All right, but let's, let's go on. And God saw it in the way. Uh, now look. Now, so he limits the years of mankind. The next verse. They were giants in the earth in those days. So then somebody said, oh, okay, the reason they was giants is because of these, uh, uh, these uh, 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 angels marrying women and they produced these massive mankind. Okay, well, well we, got, we got a comment on that. All right. And they bare children to them, the same were mighty men, which were of old, man of renown. Verse 5, and God saw, now look, and God saw the wickedness of 
man. So is, does, the, does the context of this jump back and round uh, from uh, flesh to angels to, uh, to flesh back to angels? I don't see it that way because the context of all these scriptures is flesh is multiplying and becoming very wicked. That's the context, okay? So uh, uh, verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he had made who? Man, okay? Flesh, that he had made man. And then God's going to do something about it on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy who? Man. So the whole context from verse 1 to verse 7 is, is what? Man was created and man became so wicked that God is now going to destroy them. Nowhere in that context do I see anything about angelic beings. All right? Now I've got to convince you, right? <laughs> well, we'll see, if, we'll see if the scripture can the context is that man, which is human flesh, is being multiplied and becoming exceedingly wicked to the point that God is going to destroy mankind and beast. Okay? Mankind and beast. All right? Notice that uh, man is multiplying and daughters were born into them in verse 1. This is not hard to understand. The problem seems to be in verse 2 with the phrase sons of God. Who are these sons of God? All right? So it would have to be more than one. So there have to be two at least to be plural sons, right? Okay? It, it, it don't necessarily have to be a thousand, a hundred, a million, but it's more than one because sons is, is plural, right? So it would be more than one, okay? So uh, what is the number? <laughs> more than one, all right? Now notice this, all right? God has only one begotten son, and his name is Jesus Christ, as found in, now let's look at Scripture, John 1, 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1:18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Now, what about, look at Adam. Now, Adam is referred to as the Son of God in Luke 3:38. Did you know that the scripture refers to Adam as the son of God? Okay. So we have here, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. You can open your Bible, read Luke 33. Adam is referred to as the son of God. So we have one. <laughs> we have one. All right. Keeping in the context, which is flesh has become wicked, and uh, this uh, uh, continues through Genesis 6:12. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Nowhere, nowhere does the context say anything about angels corrupting mankind. So what happens is this, all right? So I take a bit of Scripture, and now I'm going to make it what I want to say, okay? And people have made a living off of this, all right? People have made a living off of this, uh, this uh, 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 verses in the Bible, all right? There's, uh, there's uh, and I mean, some of them have some uh, uh, PhDs and RES and VPIs and all kinds of nonsense, okay? But they, they've made a living off of it. But you, looking at the verses that we just went over, 
show me where angels or, or anybody other than flesh is spoken of. You say, well, what about the giants? <laughs> they was giants. In the, uh, didn't we just do Joshua? And what was that place, Eskel? Yeah, and, and the, the people in Eskel were giants. The grapes were giants. The bananas were giants. You say, there wasn't no bananas there. Okay. Uh, yeah. But the grapes were giants, right? Everything was giants. That place was full of miracle growth. If you lived there, you was big. All right? And you know what? That was after the flood. So the teaching is that God destroyed all these... Um, uh, ethonyms, or um, I, I'm probably not saying that right, and uh, refer to, what is it? Uh, what? Nephonyms. So uh, God destroyed all these nephonyms, but they still show up when Joshua's fighting, fighting, uh, 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 taking over the promised land. All right? They're, these uh, nephonyms are still there. Okay? So, and, you know, it's kind of like, okay, so uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on. A couple of important facts about angels from Scripture. So let's look at scripture. All right. Angels do not marry. Let's read a verse. Whenever Jesus was confronted about the resurrection in Matthew uh, 22, 30, his answer, for in the resurrection there neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So you understand what that verse is saying, right? Angels don't marry. So angels don't take in marriage. They don't give in marriage. You know what angels were created for? For those who would be heirs of the gospel, they were to be ministering spirits. Okay? Look right here. Angels are ministering spirits. Oh, wow, man. Hebrews 1.3. But to which of the angels said he... Pardon? 13. What did I say? 3? Okay. Add, a, add 10 to it. Hebrews 1.13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, set thou my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool? Are not they all ministering spirits set forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now you know why angels were created. For you. To help you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So now you look in 1 Peter, I think it is, the angels that kept not their first estate. What is their first estate? to be ministering spirits to those who shall be heirs of salvation. So if they kept not their first estate, then evidently they don't want to be uh, ministering spirits. They want to be worshipped themselves, like Lucifer did. All right? But, uh, but we're, not, we're not going there yet, but we'll see. Angels don't have flesh and bones. How can you have a baby if you don't have flesh and bones? You say, ah, angels were Saul of Abraham. All right. Ah, angels were saw when I think it was, was it Elijah or Elisha opened up his, uh, his uh, servant's eyes and they saw the multitude. Okay, you know what? If they had flesh and, and, and bones, okay, he wouldn't have had to open up his eyes to see spiritual beings. He could have saw them because they were flesh and bones. All right. But let's look what the scripture says. All right. Don't take my word for it. Read what the scripture says. Luke 24, 39. Behold my hands. This is Jesus talking. He says, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. You say, well, that, that don't say anything about angels. 
water angels, ministering spirits. Spirits don't have flesh and bones, okay? So angels don't have flesh and bones, all right? You say, well, how, how did... Now, you also have to understand when the Lord is making a pre-incarnate uh, appearance, huh? Cut it off? Okay, we got to cut it off. I could go on for hours. Isn't this interesting? But you know what? This, uh, I think if you slow down and read the Scripture, it will help you in your living. To, uh, uh, so you don't jump on these bandwagons that takes you every direction, and then you get upset when somebody, uh, uh, you know, maybe don't believe you. Pastor? Um, do you have enough to finish next Wednesday night? Uh, and you have another two weeks here? Well, maybe. Huh?